great to have you here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's all about you and your wallet. I want you to learn ideas from me so you can keep more of what you make. Clark.com is our main website, ClarkDeals.com, where you get all the great bargains. I don't know if you saw Clark Deals this past weekend. Lots of ways for you to stretch that dollar. And I want to tell you, coming up in a few minutes in today's Clark Rageous Moment, you got to know that when you do a Google search, there's a chance that a lot of what you're going to see as results are going to be scammers. I'm going to tell you how you can end up having your wallet eaten up, especially when you're researching people for home improvements, car repair, anything like that. And that's coming up for you in just a little while. And then later yet, speaking of fakes, fake shopping sites. It's going to be a problem this Christmas season intensifying from last Christmas season. I want to tell you what you need to know, what you need to look out for. And I want to recap something we did recently, Switch Ditch and Save Week. And it's where I try to nudge you to dump your giant monster mega bank. The four giant monster mega banks have roughly half of all banking in the country and offer you a rotten, terrible deal. They pay you nothing on your savings, look for every possible way to charge you fees on your checking, and it's so impersonal. You ever have a problem? Nobody ever has any authority to fix anything. That's why I've encouraged you to take advantage of Switch, Ditch, and Save. And if direct deposit's been holding you up, that you got that done. If bill pay has held you up, doesn't take that long to switch your bill pay from whoever you're with to a new financial institution, an online bank, a smaller bank, a credit union, or a stockbroker, discount broker for your checking, that any of these places are going to offer you a square deal. And at the very least, if you do nothing else and you have idle cash, if you're lucky enough to have idle cash, you have to hate yourself to have that at any of the giant monster mega banks that pay one one hundredth of one percent on your savings, when now you can earn right about 1.35% on your savings using an online bank, and those rates are headed higher from here. As the Federal Reserve raises the interest rates it controls, it directly affects what the online banks pay you, but the giant monster megas know they can take advantage of inertia in our busy lives and continue to pay us basically nothing. And a special shout out to you if you are a customer of Wells Fargo. Wells Fargo is the institution I refer to as the criminal enterprise impersonating a bank. And it just keeps the hits just keep on coming. Just in the last two days... There was a story about the Office of the Control of the Currency, which is a federal agency that usually is in the hip pocket of the banks. 
going after Wells Fargo for ripping off people who got auto loans there with fake charges for things like insurance they didn't need, know they had, whatever, targeting specifically military personnel deployed overseas to repo their cars by putting extra phony charges on their auto loans. I mean, the abuses at Wells Fargo run so wide and so deep, and the federal regulators are ordering Wells Fargo to set aside a lot more money because they're going to have to pay a lot more restitution to a lot more people because of the auto loan scam. And then Wells Fargo and its branches, when people would complain about low interest rates on savings, were saying, why don't you go see this person over here? who would then put conservative savers into extremely complex securities, and now people lost money on those. Wells Fargo has now been ordered by FINRA, which is actually a private organization, to pay restitution the millions to Wells Fargo customers that were baited into these ridiculous, awful, complicated securities They just generated a lot of fees for Wells and cost conservative savers real money. Then on top of it, the bank is now in trouble for having cheated people in currency transactions that were going on, and Wells has fired four key executives of that. I mean, this is a bank... And forget, and this isn't even mentioning the three and a half million fake accounts that were opened by Wells using identity theft, forging people's signatures, and creating accounts that people didn't know, didn't want, ruining people's credit, costing people money. This is a broken institution, and again, a criminal enterprise because they're big and powerful. Nobody goes to prison. What is wrong with that? So you should at least vote with your money and take it somewhere else. And Wells Fargo, as I've said again, if you want to put somebody on the air and explain why I'm just flat out wrong that you're operating a criminal enterprise, you're welcome to do so. David is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, David. Hello, Clark. How are you? Great. Thank you, David. How can I serve you today? So I have an older uh, sports car, 2005, has 129,000 miles, I want to say. And I'm thinking about getting a, uh, going into a loan for an electric car so I can upgrade the car and and the new features that they, my current car doesn't have. Just wondering if it, if it makes sense. I do think this car is going to start to have trouble. Uh, You know, it's been pretty good so far, but it's an out-of-it oval, right? Well, so you have a 12-model-year-old car, actually 13-model-year-old car now. You yes. don't drive an enormous amount. You drive about 10,000 miles a year on average. Yes. So I know this is weird. The reason to get a new car would be because you want to have one, and you're certainly uh, at the point with having owned it for so long that if you want to, go for it. Okay. But don't do it because you're worried the car is going to suddenly misbehave on you. Because right. cars today generally 
are reliable enough that they'll go a quarter million miles before they really start to give you heartburn. Okay. And a question I had about the tax benefits that uh, the electric cars offer. Um, I know at some point they expire. So how concerned should I be about that? Okay, so the federal tax credit is $7,500. And the only company that is going to see tax credit eligibility expire soon is Tesla. And that's who I was uh, considering. So are you thinking of getting a 3 or an S, or what are you thinking of? A 3. Okay, so the 3, if you order one now, by the time you would get it, um, that's going to be 18 months or two years from now. Right. Because of the backlog, it's likely the $7,500 credit will have expired. It will. Okay, that's what I was concerned about. Now, I do have an alternative I can suggest to you if you're interested in a Tesla. There are a lot of people with S's. The you know That's the original sedan that the 3 is based on as a smaller, uh, not as fancy vehicle. Right. A lot of Tesla S owners get new ones all the time, like every couple of years. And okay. so there's a lot of used ones available at pretty much about what drive-out price would be on a Model 3. So the, the meaning that even though I don't, take the, I don't get the tax credit, it's built into the reduction of the price? Yeah, so it, it doesn't matter if you don't get the tax credit if you're paying so much less money. Right. So if right. you were to get a Model, uh, Model S, you can find a lot of them less than 30,000 miles on them and right. in the 40s. So if you buy a really equipped Model 3, you're going to pay close to $50,000 net out with the credit. You'll be at you know, $42,500, let us say. But it's not near the car as the S. So I think gotcha. the real deal in the market, and if you've been driving a sports car or, or yeah. a performance car, the S is going to just knock your socks off. Got it. Okay. So you can look, um, you know, Tesla has a very active program for selling used S's they take as trade-ins. And also third-party sellers have a lot of S's for sale used. Okay. Now, how long do those batteries last? Like when you say 30,000 miles, is that... So there doesn't seem to be any real um, significant memory loss in the batteries. And if you buy a used one from Tesla, they give you this really long warranty on them. Oh, okay. So I would consider that instead of waiting 18 months to two years to get a Model 3, I would really look at the S that stood the test of time and has an above-average rating for reliability from Consumer Reports. Jim joins us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Jim. Hi, Clark. Jim, you got a question about something nobody ever later on, well, I shouldn't say nobody, almost nobody later on says, yippee, I'm so glad I bought a... Timeshare. How long ago did you buy one? Oh, we've got two actually, and we've had them both for probably 25 years. So you went through a long time, you actually liked having them. Well, you know, in one, our kids actually grew up going the same week every year to the same place and met friends that they'd see every year. But 
the kids got older. We might have gotten a little bit older, too, but, um, you know, we did enjoy it for a while, but... We've listened to your program enough to know that you can't get out of it, or there's no legitimate way to get out of it, I guess. Um, but we're wondering what happens when my wife and I pass away. Can the kids just ignore these things? They can't ignore them. They can renounce them. But what what you should do is, I've seen this more than once, this is a terrible thing I'm going to say. So I'm only saying this tongue-in-cheek. But you're supposed to put them in your will to give to somebody you don't like (laughs) and leave it for them to deal with and renounce. (laughs) Yeah. Isn't that terrible? Well, it seems like an effective way to uh, get even with somebody. (laughs) No, it's really hard. I mean, it's a real problem. So, yeah, if you want to make sure you don't create any kind of a burden for your kids, you can either not name anybody in your will to receive them, and do you have a will? Yes. Okay. And you can tell whichever kid is you appoint as executor, if you appoint one of your kids as executor, that their ins- your instructions are that whoever's supposed to get these renounces the inheritance, that nobody wants it. Okay. Because the thing with the timeshare is that if you're not careful, you create a perpetual obligation that goes on after you've passed away. And that's obviously what you don't want to do here. And it's another example, even though when your kids were younger, the timeshare was something you could look forward to and use. The problem, because you can't get rid of them, is that something that even was a pleasure at one point later does become a burden. So really think if there's somebody you really don't like, Jim, it's theirs. I have something really important for you to put away in your memory bank in today's Clark Rages moment. And it involves contractors that you find doing a Google search that turn out to be nothing but con artists. Scams, ripoffs, outrages. It's a Clark Regis moment. Dallas Morning News ran down a story about a company that was advertising on Google for doing garage doors at people's houses, and they were actually a lead generation firm. And they were paying Google millions of dollars a year to be listed. But what would happen is they would, if you said... Oh, yeah, I want to get a repair to my garage door, get a new one or whatever. And they'd give a lead to someone in an area. And many times they were giving leads to con artists. You thought you were dealing with a particular company, but they were just what they call in the trade lead generators. So they would give your lead to somebody who would pay them huge money for it. And then... Some people have been to, gone to prison for this. They would turn around and charge you thousands of dollars for something that may have been a $20 repair. They were especially targeting the elderly, ripping off people that were alone in their own homes. And this is not specifically about garage doors. What it's about is that when you look on Google, 
for a company to do something in your home or to repair your car or anything like that just because they're listed first on a Google search, because there are people that manipulate that, or you see ads on Google when you do the inquiry, that doesn't mean they're okay. You need to check out a company you're going to have do work for you just like you would any other business. You know, we had the calls from people that were getting ripped off by locksmiths that they were finding in Google searches and being charged ridiculous money by locksmiths. You've got to know before you hire somebody, you got to know who you're dealing with. You need to check references because otherwise you could end up parting with a lot of money with a shoddy contractor or a crook. It's wonderful to have you here on the Clark Howard Show where you learn ways to save more and spend less and don't let anyone ever rip you off. I'm going to talk about what's going to be a common ripoff over the next two months in just a second. Clark.com is our main website. Clark.com slash ask. That's where you go to ask me a question. You also can get your questions answered off the air for free. Talk with a member of our team. And you can see the hours and the phone number on Clark.com. Scroll down a little. You'll see all that. So last year, we had scattered calls from people during Christmas, the Christmas shopping season. They were getting ripped off by what turned out to be fake merchants. And the expectation this year is that's going to be a much bigger problem. The FBI has it on its radar, according to Kiplinger magazine, and this is a big problem that the most common complaint involved with internet purchases is the failure to deliver the purchases, and obviously if you're dealing with a shady or fake merchant, that's going to be a problem. This is something people who travel are having to deal with more and more with shady air booking sites and hotel booking sites that either never deliver after they have your money or don't deliver as promised. And this same problem is migrating now to online purchasing. So if you do a search, you see a great deal on something, be very careful before you click to purchase. Know who you're dealing with and when you shop online, know that a credit card gives you protections you do not get with a debit card. So when you're looking at shopping through the holiday season, you're getting those Christmas gifts for people, please remember the rules. Know who you're buying from. Check out reputation. And the second thing is how you pay. A real credit card has real protections when you do not receive the goods or services or they're not as represented. You have rights that don't exist. They do not exist with a debit card. My son is 12 and has a YouTube channel and he posts every single day. He's all about it. And one of the things he likes to do is unboxings, which is apparently all the rage 
with preteens and early teens is where a reviewer will buy something, they unbox it, they show you what it's like, and all that. Well, there are now, according to Bloomberg, a lot of sites that are done by preteens or teens where they are getting paid by toy companies to do these ultra-breathless unboxings telling you that these things are great. And in the Bloomberg story, they talk about kids that are making over $100,000 a year doing these advertorials where the kids watching the videos on YouTube think that the kid they're watching, the channel they love watching, actually loves what they're talking about, but it's just a commercial done in a different kind of way. So I don't want you to deflate your kid's enthusiasm about stuff he or she watches on YouTube, but I want you to explain this to your kids, that what they're watching is very likely just a very clever commercial from people they enjoy watching. And kids, if you're not aware, kids have very heavily moved away from watching the Disney channels and the Nickelodeon channels. And kids at about seven years old migrate overwhelmingly to YouTube and to content on YouTube. And so that's why the toy manufacturers are moving their promotional efforts to YouTube. Carl is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Carl. Hi, Clark. Um, I got a uh, general hacking type question for you, authentication stuff. So what about, I want you to talk a little bit about bank accounts and routing numbers and, and kind of the, it seems like there's like a wide open hole number of ways if a, if a hacker got a hold of those things, um, you know, from your credit union or brokerage or bank account, that they could exploit you, you know, from creating a false check to maybe doing a wire transfer. Um, could you talk a little bit about how you Sure, let's risk? not. Okay, so I've got to talk about the possibilities. At the same time, I don't want to create absolute paranoia. But let's start with uh, with the facts you just said. So if somebody has a copy of your check, they can duplicate that, print checks at will. They can present a draft against your bank account or credit union account. And unfortunately, banks do not have the same level of security with draft presentations as they do with checks. And yes, somebody could at least temporarily make off with your money. I'm going to deal with the brokerage stuff in a second. So do you know who's responsible if a criminal goes in and takes money from your bank account or credit union account? Um, who's responsible? Yeah. Boy, I don't know. The bank. Who's responsible? The bank or credit union. If a criminal presents a fraudulent draft or a criminal prints up checks on your account and then has a field day with them, the bank or the credit union, they're responsible for the loss, 
as long as you notice and report in a timely fashion, the ceiling on reporting is 60 days. So you're given a lot of time to say, oops, what happened here? And the only way a bank or credit union cannot reimburse you is if they claim that you are the actual perpetrator who stole money from yourself. Right. You almost have to prove that it's not you, right? Well, actually, administratively, in theory, the bank or credit union has to prove it was you. And so once you notify them, they have to either give you your money back permanently within 14 days. They call it 10, but they don't count Saturday and Sunday. Or give you what's known as a provisional credit pending the completion of their investigation also within 14 days. Okay. What about wire transfers? My credit union and brokerage account are tied, and that seems like a similar hole. Yeah, so Um, that's why I wanted to talk about the brokerages separately. The brokerage houses are not under the same legal requirement as the banks and credit unions. And the brokerage houses are far more vulnerable because that's where people who have money are going to have their money. I mean, banks account for under 10% of people's assets now. Overwhelmingly, anybody with money is not going to take the lousy deal they get from a bank. They're going to be at a broker. So the brokerage is a big vulnerability. Now, several of the brokerage houses have expressed guarantees that you have zero liability if your account is emptied by a fraudster or harmed by a fraudster. So even though there is no explicit legal protection, you want to make sure that the investment house you're using has a clear and unequivocal, how do you say that word, Um, service guarantee that in the event that a fraudster hits your account, they restore your funds in full. Okay, so you basically got to monitor and look for this trouble. Exactly. Now, on the, dra- on the uh, wires, you want to remove permission at your brokerage house for accepting electronic wiring instructions. If you want to protect yourself in this area, you want it to require that you go in and they see you face-to-face to initiate a wire transfer. It creates inconvenience for you, but if a criminal has successfully hacked into your account, you create a barrier that's too difficult for them to overcome when you don't allow an electronic um, wire transfer. Hey, do you have have time for one side question here on a slightly related topic? Sure. Real quick. Go right ahead. You... You often mention these check scams where someone gets a check that looks like it's drawn on a bank. You know, everything looks legit, that it takes six weeks for that check to flop, you know, to fall over. Why does it take so long for the check to, for them to decide the check won't clear? I I have no idea. Well, the check, here's the crazy thing. The check may initially clear. And the, the process that involves it bouncing back often is a very slow manual process so why it takes six weeks i don't know that but 
that's the number I've heard because it seems like it would bounce back within 24 to 48 hours. But that has not been the experience of people I've heard from who've ended up depositing these checks and much, much later the checks eventually come back. And again, I have no idea, Carl, why that takes so long. Heath is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Heath. Hi, Clark. How are you this afternoon? Great. Thank you, Heath. Now, you have an idea for these parents I've been hearing from that are traumatized about, and it is trauma for their family budget, when they get a quote on how much it is to add a 16-year-old to their auto insurance. Yeah, and it really struck a nerve on my end. Um, you had a caller a couple of weeks ago who lives in a rural area, which I do, and transportation pretty much is limited to what I have at the home. So when my oldest son turned 16, we felt it was more of an asset um, with us to have an extra license in the house. He could help you know, drive the young, younger siblings to school. He could attend school functions, have a part-time job. You know, He's also an excellent student. He also wanted to, to have that job to save or, or spend money as he saw. So we just took the time and, and did some research and just started negotiations with insurance companies and made up a sheet of what cars I have and, and uh, just current coverages and what type of discounts I could get. Um, I didn't want a hard insurance credit pool, but I did explain if I had accidents or traffic violations, I was up front with them on those. So shopped and got a really good deal on our end and and trying to find a caveat saying that we're going to add a new driver in a vehicle. And some of these quotes we're getting, they were like two, three, four thousand dollars a year. It was really getting expensive. There had to be a different way. So I started having discussions with insurance agents and found out the real reason for high rates was because we were being quoted full coverages on newer cars. So we thought about the best risk we could take was maybe we grab a liability-only policy attached to our family auto policy, but with an older but dependable vehicle. So it just so happened that my parents were willing to give up that type of vehicle to us. So we made that 16-year-old do some sweat equity and threw some cash together, and we obtained that car for them. And we knew the car was in good shape, but we also know if it got totaled or had a major breakdown, it'd probably exceed the value of the vehicle anyway. So we got this liability coverage, and if it's covered if he hits someone, um, it's we get to pay it out. If he's covered, if someone hits him who has insurance, and our risks basically are just single, single car accidents if, if those happen. And if we get in a situation, too, um, that if the liability is, is, exceeds to what we have and someone really wants in a bad situation, um, my wife and I purchased a family umbrella liability up to a million dollars on our home. So that can help cover it. So after all the research and after all the work that we did, we were able to get a liability-only policy on a very good quality vehicle um, and the student death discount it's going to cost us fifty dollars a month for for car insurance so six hundred so, extra instead of one two three four thousand dollars right you know so fifty dollars times twelve is really only six hundred dollars a month that is a great suggestion and by the way i should add as follow-up we heard back from the gentleman who lived in the rural area who was facing the massive premium increase and they kept noodling it, kept shopping around, and they were able to drop it down to 2000 from 4000 
but not down to your 600. And what a great strategy to have an older car, liability only, is a way to get those prices down. Appreciate it. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget, giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company & Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's time for Ask Clark. That's where you post a question for me on Clark.com and producer Joel asks it. Yeah, Clark, David wants to know, can you explain the pros and cons to a backdoor Roth? The online explanations are a little bit confusing. Oh my goodness. I, I don't think I've ever answered a question about the backdoor Roth that I didn't just confuse you more than you started. So let me do the best I can. If you exceed the income limits in a year to do a Roth IRA, you're allowed to do something known as a non-deductible IRA for the same amount of money. There's no income limit restriction on a non-deductible IRA. So you can do 5500 if you're under age 50, 6500 if you're over age 50, and then you are allowed to move money that's in IRAs into Roths simply by paying the tax due. If you have no money in regular IRAs, then you can move money from the backdoor Roth, the the non-deductible IRA, into a Roth. You typically will have like no tax money due and you're set. This works beautifully if, again, you have no money sitting in a traditional IRA. If you have money sitting in a traditional IRA, backdoor Roth is an incredible pain because you have to move all your IRA money over in order to have the real benefit of it, and most people would not be able to afford that tax bill. So I don't know if that clarified things at all, but it is an esoteric, complicated thing, and I have been told there's actually no technical term called non-deductible IRA, but that's the only way to explain it. All right, Lawrence wants to know, where's the safest place to buy gold coins? To not buy gold coins and instead buy gold shares, you can uh, buy and sell trading in gold where someone else stores it for you. It's much more efficient for you in terms of the cost buying and selling. You don't have to worry about somebody trying to steal your coins. And I have an explanation of what are called gold ETFs at clark.com search that and you'll see what to me is the right way for you to look at buying gold you're listening to the clark howard show i appreciate you spending part of your day with us here on the clark howard show i want you to know that if you need consumer advice we're here to serve you off air for free nine hours a day 
if you go to Clark.com and go down the home screen, you'll see a section, Consumer Help and Tools. Click on Consumer Action Center, and you can get that free off-the-air advice.